0: Out into the world with action. Hey everybody, it's Diane here at Someone Gets Me. And I have Scott Schwartz with me. He's coming from Southern California, and I'm here in North Carolina. And we are going to have a conversation about life, about what it's like to be a child actor and star and grow into an amazing, productive, talented adult. Like, how does all that work? So Scott's going to share with us some of his stories and humor some of my questions probably. So welcome to the show, Scott.
1: Thank you. Good to be here.
0: I'm so delighted that you're here because sometimes people like have issues with how, how does things unfold? And when you're successful as a kid, how do you turn it into as successful as an adult? And you're one of those people who, who've done that. So tell us a little bit about how you got started in the acting industry, like I know you were young because you were doing things as a child, but how did all mm-hmm. get started?
1: Kind of by accident. I was attending a film club with uh, my dad on Saturdays, and it wasn't for kids, really. I mean, they showed B-Westerns from the 40s and the old 12 and 15-chapter serials from Republic and Columbia and Universal, and after going for a couple of years, really, I mean, I started, I started going, I was like five and a half And the youngest guy in the house was like 26. (laughs) So, I mean, (laughs) it was it was me and a bunch of adults. Um, And this one other gentleman there, uh, you know, I figured long since past. His name was Art Ross. He was back in New York. And uh, he said, hey, I'm producing a commercial for you chocolate drink. And, you know, I've known you a while and you're very outgoing. And do you think it'd be something you want to do? And I was like, uh, okay. He's like, well, yeah, we're gonna go to Miami Beach for a couple of days and you get the in the commercial is Yogi Berra from the Yankees, wow. the baseball team. Right. So I was like, okay, I'm in.
0: <laughs> exactly. You
1: know, and uh, went down there, did it on the flight back. He he flew back with us and he's like, You're great. You know, you gotta keep doing this. I, I have uh, a casting agent who I'm friends with out of New York, her name is Joanna Pasciuto. She was a sweet lady and kind of give me the 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 good, the bad, the ugly, and introduced me to a couple of agents. And we ended up picking one of them and we were off and running.
0: Wow, that is so amazing. My brother used to love you, who when he was a kid,
1: I still love (laughs) you.
0: I know you just brought back all these flood of memories when you said that. I'm like, oh, my. Yes. You who's a thing? I love it. And Yogi Berra, too. I mean, that must have been really fun to like be around him when you were young. Right.
1: Yeah, sure. Were you starstruck? No, I was a baseball fan, so I was more like, hey, this is really cool. All
0: right. Cool. Oh, that's fun. That, it, it's always exciting to meet the people that we love to see or, you know, like that kind of thing. Like I'm a big sports person and when I meet people who do those various sports, it always excites me.
1: Well, it, it, it's always nice and exciting when they live up to what you hope. You know, when they're friendly and they're nice and they're kind, you know, and uh, luckily enough, I I got a bunch of people that I ended up doing commercials with and and running into. And they were all for the ninety nine percent were very nice and very kind and very fun.
0: (laughs) Yes, that's true. When they live up to those expectations, it's it's a really good thing. So tell us about A Christmas Story. How did you get in that movie?
1: Well, I had already done a film called The Toy with Richard Pryor and Jackie Gleason, Ned Beatty, Teresa Ganzel, directed by Dick Donner, produced by Ray Stark, blah, blah, blah. And uh, it had come out in the theaters. And I had just gotten home from shooting another film. And I got the call to go in to meet with Bob Clark, the director for A Christmas Story. Uh, Maybe the easiest audition in the history of mankind. Because I went in. And uh, Bob's like, "How you doing?" And we chit chatted for about ten minutes. And he's like, "Listen, I hate to do this to you, but I missed lunch. Can we go downstairs and have a hot dog?" You know, you're asking a you know, fourteen year old kid. You want to go have a hot dog in Manhattan? It's like, sure. Right. We go downstairs, had a hot dog. We kept chit chatting, came back upstairs. He's like, "Listen, it was really nice to meet you." I said, "Is there something you want to read? Want me to read?" He goes, "Nah." whatever we got, you can do. You know, he goes, I saw the toy this past weekend. uh, So I know you can handle anything. I just I just wanted to meet you and say hi. I said, okay, And left. And 10 minutes later, I was at my agent's office and he had already called. That was it.
0: Great. What a great (laughs) that's a great audition. Let's have a hot dog together. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. But he already saw your work because he saw the toy. So how was it? Being in a movie with Pryor and Gleason, what two amazing powerhouses. You were young. So tell me a little bit about the toy.
1: Well, I was young, but I wasn't that young. You know, I was 13, you know, and I turned 14 while we were shooting. Uh, They were both great. There were reasons why I worked well with both of them. A lot of them had to do with my personality and the fact that I grew up in a house that we loved – cinema. We loved Hollywood. We loved, you know, television. So, I mean, you know, from prior doing, you know, stir crazy and silver streak and bingo long and the other films, I knew who he was. Okay. So that was kind of easy. You know, and I even seen uh live in concert, you know, my father was never, my parents were never worried about language. You know, they're like, make love, not war. You say whatever you want, just don't insult nobody. All right, fine. So, uh, Whatever. Right. Uh, and Gleason, I was, I, I loved the Honeymooners. Right. And I was an absolute fanatic for Smokey and the Bandit. You know, Sheriff Buford T. Justice was one of my favorite characters. So getting the film and meeting them, I was a fan. But I expounded, you know, I let him have it in, in a good way. You know, I said dialogue from their shows, from the movies, so they knew that they had a kid on their hands who was not the typical, you know, hi, how you doing? <laughs> you know, that wasn't me.
0: Right. You're you educated.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, from Gleason's perspective, he knew I was a smoking the banded junkie, you know, uh, when I met him. Moments within a moment after I met him, he knew because Richard Donner told me to start doing the sheriff stuff to him. So I started doing Gleason to Gleason. And he got a kick out of it because I was all a four foot five and a half and I weighed 52 pounds. And I did him as well as he did him. So he got a kick out of it, you know, and so he knew I wanted to learn, Mm -hmm. you know, and we had we had many, many conversations about, you know, New York in the 30s and 40s and him, you know, shooting pool with George M. Cohan, you know, stuff that a typical 14 year old would not care about. So he treated me really well and, and, and really uh, was a, a very kind co-star to me, you know, education wise and, and just filled my mind with, with information. And prior was the same way because I had no problem with anything he said, you know, there, there were several different forms of Richard. There was the quiet Richard, who was very studious and, and highlighting things in books and underlining. Then there was the uh, playful Richard that we play video games until three o'clock in the morning, Mattel on television. And there was that Richard. And then there was the, you let him loose Richard and the mouth went and whatever came out is what came out. There was no filter. There was no PC anything back then.
0: Right. Right.
1: You know, so, I mean, he's, you know, I'm, I'm 14 and he's pointing out women to me. Oh, what do you think about her? What do you think about her? Well, I did this with her last night and I did. And, and he's not being coy about anything. And my sex education was like almost zero. So I got it from Richard. <laughs> so
0: Richard was your sex education mentor.
1: Oh, he was, <laughs> Gleason was, was, was your film you... mentor. Here's something like for the younger people that, that won't understand this, but you will. Right. He was my health teacher. Oh, yes. We used to have health teachers. They don't have those no more. You know, right right. now. He gave me an education on everything, you know, that was that was not uh, movie related and at the same time was very key in in my performance and, and me being becoming me on screen.
0: Oh, that is hysterical. <laughs> so did you enjoy shooting? Uh, you must have enjoyed shooting that film then.
1: Oh, I had a blast. I, listen, I mean, I give looks you an like example. You were just watching I had it. a blast. Oh, God, I had a blast. Every day was a blast. Uh, other than like the first day, the first day of shooting didn't go well. And that wasn't my fault. Uh, but we fixed everything really fast. And OK, fine. The party scene at the the big plantation house down in, in Louisiana, uh, there was a couple of women there and there was one absolutely beautiful woman. Well, Richard told the transportation coordinator to put her trailer behind mine. So her window and my window were back to back, you know, at the the back of the trailers. Right. You know, and, and people in show business are very open. You know, nobody worries. Oh, somebody could see me. No, that's not how Hollywood, you know, was was for decades and decades. And after lunch, you know, she nicely got undressed in the trailer behind me. You know, and she didn't close the curtains. Nothing. It was like, yeah, whatever. You know. And uh, I was I, w- I was uh, I had I had a good day after I had a good laugh after lunch. I mean, it was really, you know, wonderful. And we, we go back and we're sitting down. Richard and I are sitting next to each other. And I said, Richard, the girl at the one over there, you know, the pretty one, you know, she got. And he goes, oh, really? Oh, that's wonderful. That's of course, he never tells me what he did. You know, oh, and it was oh. a com- it was a conversation we had years later that he revealed it all. You know, he gave me the whole story. Girls were showing up at my trailer, knocking on my door. Hi, hi. Okay, come on in, you know. And and again, you know, I had no idea. But, you know, Richard and I sitting at his home seven, six, seven years later, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years later, all of them, you know, he was like, you know, I did that right. I sent the girls to your trailer, right? You know I did that, right? He goes, You think you were like stud muffin? No. I told him, go to your trail. And I'm like, really? I had the best wingman ever in the history of mankind.
0: <laughs> you did. That's hysterical. Oh, I love it. And you didn't even know he was your wingman. until did have a
1: clue, <laughs> didn't have a clue until years later.
0: <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that because it it's one of those things where there's he's watching out for you in so many different ways and teaching you things and bringing you along with him, And he's doing it in that kind of under the radar method along with being out there. How cool is that?
1: Yeah. I mean, we went to amusement parks, we bumper cars and video games and pinball and all that stuff. We went to the movies. We went to see Poltergeist (laughs) and the people in the theater saw Richard Pryor and they started getting out of their seats before the movie started. He's like, listen, enjoy the movie. If you want to take a picture afterwards, that's fine. Or an autograph. I'll stay. Just let's everybody just enjoy the movie. And that's what they did. Everybody went back and sat down and we, we, everybody loved the film and whatever. And we come out and he stood outside the theater for almost two hours, signing autographs on napkins and taking pictures with people and all this stuff. Mm. Uh, But it, in his own way, it taught me how to deal with the public. Yep. Not realizing I'm sure that he was doing that. Right. You know, it's uh you know, I've joked for decades now, you know, like TMZ and all these. Nobody follows me. Nobody comes after me. And it's not because I'm famous or not or any of that stuff. I'm just nice. So if I see the guys. I'm like, hey, how you doing? What's going on? How you been? Blah, blah, blah. They don't want to bother somebody who's nice to them. Yeah.
0: That's good. You know, that nice had-
1: nice doesn't play. Nice doesn't play on television.
0: Right. Nice doesn't sell things as much.
1: Exactly. You'll excuse the French. But if you're a prick, oh, they're all over you. Right. But if you're a nice guy, they leave you alone.
0: (laughs) That's the best way to get left alone. Be nice. Yeah. At least these days. So after you finish those movies, tell us a little bit about um, how your life has been. What have you been up to? What have you been doing? And um, what what kind of adventures have you been having? I mean, because these movies were really amazing that you've been in and Thank you. fun. Thank you. And- oh,
1: no, I I mean, I hit puberty and kind of my face changed. You know, my voice got a little bit lower, my face changed. And it's tough to put uh, really a, a 14, 15, 16 year old or a 15, 16 year old in a film with 13 year olds when I don't sound that way. Right. You know, and my face kind of changed. And it took me till about 19 and then my face sort of morphed back into what you see now, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Like my high school graduation picture. I hate, it doesn't look like me. Wow. You know, and then I uh-huh. sort of changed back, but okay. I mean, I stayed in show business. I did other things. I, I, as I say, I was free help for the WWF, which is not a WWE mm-hmm. way back when, way back when, you Yeah. Know, uh, and I had other adventures that I did throughout the years, strange and crazy jobs and fun jobs. And, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, I never shut the door to showbiz because actors don't really do that. That's that's not what it is. You know, you either get cast in something or you don't. That's kind of how that happens. Right. So if you don't get cast in something for a while, people go, oh, he must have quit showbiz. And I'm like, no, it doesn't work like that. No. You know, yeah, you could be Montgomery Clift, Humphrey Bogart, James Cagney, Gary Cooper. But if the guy on the other side of the table doesn't see it, you don't get a job.
0: Right. Exactly. So, I mean,
1: I've worked in all kinds of industries and done all kinds of things, worked with celebrities, worked with trading card companies, you know, many, many things along the journey to, uh, to make a living. I mean, my dad was a window cleaner. I, I cleaned windows for a while, you know, just went back to the family biz and just started cleaning windows. Ooh,
0: that's fun. So what, what are you up to now?
1: Uh, working on getting a pilot together and, you know, getting my book put out. I'm hoping they say, I hope, I hope September, um, nice, nice. you know, and, and make some personal appearances and show up places and try and make a living so I can keep paying whatever I'm paying on my mortgage here.
0: Right. So we, you could keep going. Like we all, are, all we're all doing those things. Is the book about your life or is it yeah. about something else? Oh, yeah, wonderful.
1: I say it's the good, the great, the bad, the ugly.
0: Oh, that's nice. So
1: That's it's true. it's it's life. It's not only about the career. It's about where I started, the things I did, the places I went, the people I met, and uh, you know the the roller coaster of life.
0: Yes, and and life is a big roller coaster. And I wonder if, um, because obviously you have a lot of creativity and you have a lot of enthusiasm and energy. Has there been a time in your life where you were really greatly disappointed and struggled? And if so. How did you get on the other side of that?
1: Um, I hit rock bottom. I was. 21 going on 22 and uh, I was going to school in the morning. I was going to community college Mm -hmm. and then at noon I went to work in my dad's store and then at six I left there and I went to the comedy store Mm -hmm. and worked there from seven. 15, until one 2 o'clock in the morning. I grinded myself for a semester. And at that point I had had enough and I hit, I hit what I consider my rock bottom. Right. Um, I packed up my stuff and I left, you know, my, I, ha- I had lost who I was. I had lost what made me happy. I lost the smile and the zeal for life. Right. And uh, turned around and went back to New Jersey. You know, I moved out. I was in California. And went back to New Jersey thinking, all right, I'll stay back here for a couple months. I'll work things out. Okay, fine, whatever. And ended up getting a phone call from a friend of mine in the adult business uh, who was a feature dancer. And she needed a roadie, somebody to work with her. That would get her tips and make sure people didn't steal from her, take her Polaroids, sell her merchandise, all this. And uh, I ended up doing that for almost 17 months. Mm but it kept me on the road and there was a lot of downtime. So in my downtime, I literally talked to myself. I, I self-medicated. I'm, I'm not a boozer. I'm not a drinker. I'm not a a drug addict. None of those things. Uh, I self-medicated. I brought, I had a pad with me pros, cons, pros, cons, pros, cons every day. It was just trying to figure out where, you know, the train came off the tracks. Right. And, uh, over the course of those months, you know, I sort of figured it out, you know, no therapy, none of that stuff that, that so many people go to, I just did it myself.
0: Right. You're like your self-therapist, you in the journal yeah. and the pros and cons. And so what did you determine happened that made you get off the tracks?
1: Uh, I was just grinding myself too, too much. Yeah. You know, I wasn't getting enough sleep and I wasn't seeing people that I cared about and I wasn't doing the things that were fun to me anymore. You know, uh, I just put myself in, in, in as they say, a no win situation.
0: Right. And that takes, and all of a sudden. Joy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All of a sudden it was like I got to a point uh, where I was just. Uh, oh, God, I want to say it was like. Nashville. Something like that. I was at a, you know, with one of the girls at a club in Nashville and I was sitting in the hotel and it was Saturday morning and, you know, we had Saturday night to do. And then Sunday it's go to the next place or whatever. And uh, I I had taken a shower and just kind of looked at myself in the mirror and I said, you know what? It's enough already. I'm good. Let's go back to doing what we should be doing. Right. And, you know, said, listen, this is going to be my last week. Here's your stuff. Don't worry. You'll be fine. You'll get somebody else. I went back to New Jersey, packed up my stuff, and I went back to California. You know, but but I, I've i always been a good person, a generous person, a kind person, you know, giving this, that, you know, literally the tens of thousands of dollars I gave to people that in, in need, friends, this one, that one, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to learn the difference between friends and users. Yes you know, and, and friends and acquaintances.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I, I learned my lesson and, you know, brushed off and got back on my feet and got back in the car and went back to California. And I moved in with a friend of mine. He had a big house and, you know, just him in a six bedroom house. So he let me stay with him and I worked with him. Like that's how I was paying my rent for the most part till I got some work, you know? Right. And, uh, you know, even the climb to get back into show business of any kind was a climb. Yes. You know, because uh, people in in Hollywood, I say agents, because that's really who that who it is. Um, they want the fast new thing because that's where they can make the quick buck. And I wasn't that. I was an older face, an older talent. Even though I was all twenty two years old, it didn't right. matter. <laughs> right. Right. You know, and, and they literally would say to me, so what have you done lately? And I said, well, I traveled the country, you know, they're like, oh, that's nice. Dude, but but you haven't done anything lately. I'm like, you mean show business? No, I was going from Detroit to Windsor, Ontario, to New York, to Connecticut, to Massachusetts, to Nashville, to Knoxville. You know, oh, well, we'll have to see. And inevitably, you know, they wouldn't sign me. This one wouldn't sign me. And I ended up getting an agent through a friend. You know, right. And I, and I bounced around a little bit from agent to agent because I wasn't getting work fast enough for them. You know, they didn't know how to push. And back then, it was not nearly as uh, retro loving as it is now. You know, now people want to see people from the 80s and 90s, whereas in the 90s, nobody cared about the people from the 80s anymore.
0: That's true. That's so true. It's like the nostalgia is really kicked in and people are searching for those people in those days and those times. So,
1: yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's great to uh, run into people who are fans who say, how come, how come you're not working? You're funny and you're this. And, and I say, listen, you got a job. Let me know. You know, I mean, I've worked for, you know, basically almost nothing to, you know, a good salary. It's what the budgets can, can afford and what people, the roles they want to give me. Right. But you got to keep going. You know, that's, that's the thing. It's, and it's, it's easy to say you just got to keep going. But everybody is different. and It's based on their life experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I mean, I went through a time from the very end of 2009 until the middle of 2011. You know, I had 18 family members, friends, acquaintances pass. Ooh. I went to 12 funerals wow. in those 16 months. And every time the phone rang, I'm like, okay, you know, who's who's passed away now? Who's gone now? Um, but at the end, you know, when I got past that time period, it changed me because I realized what life was. Yeah. You know, you know, life is a cycle. You know, we're born, we grow, we get old, we die. I mean, that's just what it is. And there are too many people that take this life way too serious, not understanding that every day you waste is a day you don't have anymore.
0: It's gone. Totally gone.
1: You know, Mm -hmm. smile, laugh, tell a joke, sing a song, do things you enjoy. You know, uh, and and today the last year i shouldn't say today but the last couple of years you know people have just gotten engrossed in this cycle of hatred and and absolute you know devastation with what's going on you know between the covid and before the covid and you know the last president trump and all these things and th- this constant just anger mm-hmm. you know you know, I don't feel that way. You know, I'm not a I'm not a hardcore Democrat Democrat and I'm not a hardcore Republican. I've always kind of been up the middle. I like to be logical, sensible, reasonable. Let's keep this thing moving. That's all. Right. You know, right. And let's just be let's be kind to everybody instead of. And, and the fighting and, and the hatred, I, I it drives me insane. And I, I sit and I scratch my head and I go, what happened? You know. We, we lived in, in a semi-cozy uh, place where it wasn't like this, where it wasn't everybody. Right. Now it just seems like it's everybody. Yeah. You know, I think how I think. If you don't think how I think, I hate you. You're my enemy. You're Satan. You're, and I'm going, what, what, what? No. We live in America, free country. Let's just enjoy. But, but every day, you know, I mean, I, like I said, you know, I, I, I try and just tell people you know, look at the surroundings, look at what's around you, enjoy what you have. Cause what we have is a whole hell of a lot better than what a lot of other people have. Mm-hmm. You know, we should be much more thankful and grateful than what we really are. People take a lot of things for granted. You know, I don't do true. that. No, You know, I've worked hard since I'm, you know, eight years old and, you know, th- there have been people that have said many, many things about me. And I go, listen, I can wash my face and I look in the mirror and I'm okay with who I am. Mm-hmm. If you don't like who I am, that's your choice. Since you're not paying my bills and you're not taking care of me, I don't have to worry about what you think.
0: Exactly. And, you know, you've worked hard your whole life. And, and I think that's one of the things a lot of people miss about people that are actors or I work with a lot of musicians and things like that where <laughs> they think, oh, it just comes easy. And I'm like, no, it's very hard work. Being on the road is hard work. The skill set you need is hard work. There's a lot of the road. It's hard. I mean, it's hard. work. It is hard. It's fun. I mean, when I it travel- is hard,
1: be- it is hard because you're not sleeping in your own bed. Right. You know, and I, like I mean, I got a little baby girl. She's four pounds and I like to bring her with me places because I like to have her with me. So the sacrifice I have to make when I go places sometimes is I can't bring her.
0: Right. You know, what kind? But, what kind of dog is she?
1: She's a mini teacup chihuahua.
0: Oh, sweet. I know because you're yeah. a big dog lover too, right?
1: Big dog lover. You know, know. I'm, I'm, well, I'm an animal person. You know, I don't like to see animals get abused. And I'm not talking about bears and wolves and stuff. No, I'm talking about dogs and cats and, you know, right. house pets. You right. know, and I don't care if it's a, if it's a pit bull, if it's a a, a German shepherd, a great Dane or a mini teacup chihuahua, they're only animals <laughs>
0: Right. You know, I have I have a labradoodle and um, she's like this just intuitive, amazing, loving, just presence. Of course, she's 70 pounds, so I would I they can see her when I take her places. <laughs> I can't. <hire> yeah. Her.
1: <laughs> yeah. My little baby, nobody. And she doesn't bark and she doesn't bother anybody. So, oh, you know, it's great. it's great when I can take her. But, you know, I, I love animals. And, you know, I mean, I, I was the president of a minor consideration, which is for child labor laws for mm-hmm. two years. You know, and that came out of uh, the gentleman who, who formed it. His name is Paul Peterson from The Donna Reed Show. Right. And, you know, I've always, always given back in some way, be it advice uh, or, you know, sharing knowledge, basically, you know. So when I did that, it, it, it was an eye opener to the different things that kids went through in different parts of the country, either on the positive or the negative. You know, right. where there's almost no child labor laws or they have minimum child labor laws or, you know, the uh, the Coogan law, which is for the finances of kids, you know, that it, it's it actually is a federal law. But yet 40 states of the 50 don't enforce it. Mm. You know, and that's for protection for the kids money.
0: Right. Right.
1: Yeah. You know, and- so, I mean, it's it's been uh, it's been one hell of a journey.
0: I think it's very fascinating. So if, if uh, there's a people listening to us from all over the world, and I want to know if somebody's listening to us and they're feeling kind of stuck, you know, and they want to get to the kind, generous, be more joyful, almost kind of like <coughs> a burned out phase that you went through, you know, that you therapied yourself out of with your journal, which I think is genius. What would you tell that person that's feeling stuck? And and wanting their joy back, but they're kind of feeling that malaise of all the goofy anger going
1: on. Yeah, I mean, everybody is different. You have to find a happy place. You have to find where your happy place is. You really do. And I, and I don't mean, you know, giggly and all that. I just mean comfortable and content with life and you're okay with it. You know, I always say, listen, take some time, relax, take a deep breath, go, <sighs> okay what is this? What is this? What is this? Why is this happening? This happened because this happened. There's always an action to a reaction, you know? Um, So, you know, I, I try and just tell people, just sit back, try and remove yourself from whatever it is you're going through and look at it from the outside in and go, okay, where, where did this happen? Why did this happen? I mean, there, there are things that, Doing it won't correct, you know, if somebody has, you know, uh, very strenuous financial difficulties, you know, well, they have to figure out what to do to bring finances into the home, you know, home, apartment, whatever, to to make a living, be able to put food on a table and a roof over your head. You know, there are times when I did the most extreme things to do that. I never sold drugs, nothing like that. But, you know, I had to do things I never thought I would do, but it was for financial reasons. Sure, I had a roof over my head and food on the table. You know, if you got to become an Uber driver or whatever it is, but you know, again, you just kind of gotta just uh, find the inner strength. Everybody has it. We all have it. We just have to find it. Yes. You know, there are there are there are sheep, there are lamb, and there are leaders, you know. If you want to be a sheep, that's fine. If you want to be a lamb, that's fine. That just was never me in my case. Right. I was always very strong willed. I was always kind of a leader. You know, mm-hmm. and, and you just you try and help people to say, hey, it's in there. You just got to go find it.
0: Right. And I think what you're saying is so true because it's in there. And so many people are looking out there for their power and out there for their joy and excitement. They're looking outside of themselves. And you just said it perfectly, I think. The answer's inside. You have to go in and find it. Instead yeah, of out. What, you know,
1: whatever it is, you know, if it's going to shoot a game of pool, going to a bowling alley, going to a movie, going to the beach, sitting and just relaxing on a beach. There are people that want to just get on a pair of skis or they just want to go to a cold surrounding, whatever it is. It's all different within each with inside each of us. You just got to go find it.
0: Exactly. So what do you do for fun? What do you do for your enjoyment and relaxation today in this time of your life?
1: You know, I, I still love to go bowling, you know, shoot a game of pool, you know, sometimes just go have dinner with a friend and sit and BS over a cup of coffee, yeah. you know, uh, you know, getting older. There are things that I used to love to do that I just can't do anymore, you know get on a basketball court and go shoot hoops for a while. You know, the body lets you do things and doesn't let you do certain things, you know?
0: <laughs> right.
1: Um, not that I don't love it, you know, cause I still love to shoot hoops and I love playing baseball and football. Uh, you know, at 50 years old, I was given the opportunity to actually get inside a professional wrestling ring, <gasps> you know, and it, it was 50, I was 50 years old and I sort of knew what I wanted to do. And my mother thought I was crazy, you know. <laughs> and she's like, "You're going to hurt yourself." I'm like, "Mom, I've been waiting to do this since I'm eight years old. Trust me, I'm not going to hurt myself," you know. Right? And uh, there was a guy that that wrestled back in the '80s and '90s named Randy Macho Man Savage, mm-hmm. and he used to get up on the top of the ring and on, in the corner, mm-hmm. and he'd put his arms up and he would do a flying elbow. Onto a guy laying in the middle of the ring. Well, this is what I wanted to do. And uh, ended up the thing that that just kind of happened uh, through one of my friends, Jerry the King Lawler, who was a wrestler and a WWE Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. I went down to Mississippi and and got my wish. And I got to do something that was on my bucket list.
0: Oh, my God. I bet that was great.
1: Uh, it was. It was fantastic. The phone calls I got afterwards, the emails, the little things I got from other people. Oh, that was great. That was great. And I'm like, you know, I didn't do it for the adulation. I did it because I wanted to do it.
0: Right.
1: You know, it was it was the bucket list. Right. Yeah. that
0: off the bucket list. How fun <laughs> is that, especially since you've been you'd been wanting to do it like your whole life? You know, oh,
1: since I was a kid, I was a wrestler. Yeah. My mom grew up a wrestling fan. I grew up a wrestling fan, you know, even, you know, Bruno San Martino and, you know, uh, oh God, Ernie Ladd and, the, and Andre the Giant in the 70s, then going to Hulk Hogan and yeah. Randy Savage and Ronnie Piper and all those guys in the 80s. Uh, yeah. And then, I mean, I ended up working uh, free help, as I said, for, you know, backstage with them for for a while. Um, I loved it. So it was always something I wanted to do but just never had the opportunity. And, and when and the opportunity came, I didn't care if 50 years old or not. I was going to do it.
0: Right. And, and that's a key point, too, is like when the opportunity shows up, if something that you want to do, do it. Don't yeah. let fear and don't let other things stop you. And I think a lot of people who are stuck and a lot of people who are kind of thrashing around it's the opportunity shows up and then they kick it out or they deny it or they say no or they do something. Well,
1: a lot of people are afraid they to take yes. chances. Mm. see there's different ways to live life Mm -hmm. you can live or you can exist that's kind of how it is most people exist because they don't take chances in their life they play everything safe they just play it kind of like level and even keel and okay fine and so they just exist over the course of their lifetimes maybe they'll have kids you know whatever that may be but it's still existing Mm -hmm. you know it's not it's not the taking the chance and living part when presented with an opportunity to do something that you really want to do, you know, you don't step back and go, well, you know, I, I just, I don't think, no, you know, you want to do it. You put your foot one foot in front of the other mm-hmm. and you go and you do it. Yes. Cause then you can never turn around, look back and go, "Oh man," you know, All right. I mean, I got a few of those in my life I go, Oh man, but not too many. <laughs> you know, I've 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 lived a pretty uh, fun life. I, you know, crazy, fun, adventurous. Some people say insane. I know I've not jumped out of a, a a plane yet, or you know, something like that. But
0: I think fun and adventurous. I think that's what it sounds like, and I think that's really amazing. So, um, what do you see for the future for you?
1: Uh, well, as I said, you know, I've got this, this pilot that I'm working on. So hopefully that will get going here very soon. Right. You know, it's more or less like, you know, between finish finalizing budget and COVID, we're kind of just at the end of that situation. Let's pray. Um,
0: Can you share with us a little bit about the pilot or is it still secret?
1: uh, It's a show about myself and Todd Bridges from different strokes and, and, and many other shows and things. And we're brought together in a very, uh, uh, I don't want to say curious way. More, more of a uh, uh, you got to be kidding kind of way. We end up getting together and become friends and roomies and all the things. And you know, but it's it's the the comedy in it is very throwback. Um, the characters in it are all over the place. Nice. You know, I, I kind of took the mold of Seinfeld and went a hundred percent the other way. <laughs> Because that, you know, the characters that I were thinking of, you know, it's like, okay, you know, um, uh, Newman, you know, the 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 post office, you know, the postal guy, you know. So I'm like, okay, you know, he's about five seven, he's big, heavy set guy, you know. Hmm, okay. What's the exact opposite, hundred percent opposite of him would be, you know, a little person that's about four foot ten inches tall, and you know, he's black and bald. Right. So I went. And there's still humor in everything.
0: Sure. Sure. What's the name of the show? What's the name going to be? Do you know?
1: Uh, Strangely Connected.
0: Strangely Connected. So everybody keep watching out for Strangely Connected. Yeah, it won't be for a while
1: because we haven't shot the shot the thing. And, you know, right. And it probably probably the earliest would probably be January, February to hit some kind of airwaves, if any. You know, we don't know. Right. You know, we got to see where it goes.
0: There's so many factors in all of those things, especially like you said, with COVID and everything. And if everybody knows to look for Strangely Connected, then they'll start looking for it. And if you if when that happens, you want to share with me the link, I'll add it to the show notes for you so that people can find it. So That's cool. So is there anything that you wanted to talk about today that I did not already ask you about? Cause I've already asked you a lot of things and, and the value that you've shared and your ideas are really spot on. Perfect for everybody. So is there anything that you wanted to talk about that I didn't ask?
1: You know, not really. I kind of covered everything. It just, you know, I just hope that people would be kinder and nicer to each other and be more understanding and open-minded and not, you know, as judgmental yeah. as, as we've never been this way as a society. And it's just, you know, it, it's just depleting. All it is, is depleting and defeating, you know, the the division that we have, yeah. you know, and, and all we have to do is, again, step outside the box and look and say, okay, why is this happening? Mm-hmm. Who's doing this? What is going on? Right. You know, and, and, and if we're not so reactionary. Let's not all react so fast. We hear something happens, don't react. Just wait. What's the story? What happened? What went on? You know, uh, that's something else that we just kind of now it's, you know, again, the social media, the internet. It's kind of changed everything. You know, we that's grew right. up in an era of the six o'clock news, the 11 o'clock news, and that's all we had. You know, now it's 24-7 on 40 different channels. is, you know, 30 different uh, viewpoints. You know, right. I, I, I always say, get informed, be informed, open your mind, read, you know. We, example, we, we've had uh, a lot of talk about this guy, Jim Crow. A lot of talk about this guy, Jim Crow, lately. And I've asked people. Do you know who that is? And they go, oh, it was some guy from way back. And, you know, he was against black people and all this. And I'm going, really? So that's what you know about. Okay. And I don't tell them, you know, I want them to do it for themselves. Google it. Look it up. Learn. Understand. Since I'm on the show, folks, Jim Crow is not a real person. How about that? Jim Crow was a white guy in the 17 and 1800s who did minstrel shows. And yes, he did blackface. But they used to say that 40% of his audience was of color. And they loved him because he was entertaining and fun and could sing. So it would show African-Americans in a talented form. But people did. Now we have such a twist on it. You know what it's become. Now it's become something it wasn't. Well, he dies in 1860, 1865 is Lincoln, 1867, everything gets ratified. But then the Southerners did, uh, the Southern Democrats held the African-Americans down and did what the Northern, the the Civil War was about, the North against the South. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting to hear what people think about it. You know, I'm like, no gang. The KKK was started by Democrats. They don't understand that. You ask a lot of people what party Abraham Lincoln was, they'll tell you he was a Democrat. (laughs) I'm like, no, people, that's not where we are. You know, Mm -hmm. people have got to get informed and understand. Yes. And not use Jim Crow, Hitler, Nazism, in relations to what we go through today, there's a big difference. Huge. You know, and there are people that tell you the Holocaust never happened. You know, there are people that will tell you, you know, Oh, you know, um, um, uh, Oh, I'm just trying to think of just the, the, ridiculous things that I've heard and, and nothing's even coming to mind. Cause I've been doing this for a while and, haven't, I didn't have coffee this morning. I should have had my coffee.
0: There you go. That's what it is.
1: But, you know, <laughs> if we would be a more understanding, kind, you know, society to each other, mm-hmm. life can be peaceful. I don't care what color, what creed you are. I give everybody love, care, and respect. Now, if you don't give me love, care, and respect, well, then we got a problem, you know. But we're all people. You'll excuse the French here, eat, sleep, shit, breathe. We all do it. We all do it. We all put our pants on the same way. Mm -hmm. Male, female, or other, as they're now saying, we all do it. We all put our pants on the same way. Mm -hmm. We just have to understand, you know, right and wrong. A lot of times there's that gray area. Right. And it's in that gray area. You have to find the common ground. Right. And make peace.
0: And that's where being educated and informed comes in.
1: <laughs> right sure. There. Sure. You know,
0: so I have one final question for you. I'm oh, really, boy. Uh, I know it's, it's my, it's finale. the big finale. It is my, fin- it's my finale question. And um, I want to thank you for being on the show. And I want to tell everybody who's listening that check the show notes for more information and how you can follow and appreciate more of Scott's at work so here's your final question you ready go for it <laughs> oh that is if we're going to have a billboard that the whole world was going to see that was going to have your quote on it what would you want that billboard to say oh boy billboard. come
1: on that's not part of the billboard. This is my other one.
0: Oh look Little baby.
1: <laughs> this isn't the teacup. This is Reggie.
0: Hi Reggie Go down. Okay,
1: I'm on I'm on I'm on buddy. Okay, thank you. Be kind, be sensible, be logical, be loved.
0: oh I love that. That's a great one. That's great.
1: So your billboard. Did I leave out to be informed? I left out to be informed, you but bee that's bee informed.
0: okay. But we can put be informed, but we'll just put lots of Bs and then just drop it down on the billboard. That'd be perfect, right? That's excellent. Well, thank you again for being on the show and for um, sharing really neat information and inspiring me. And I love especially the bucket list part. Like I love it. So everybody, if you love everything that Scott's been saying, follow him on social media. And I've already been on his Facebook page and followed him and uh,
1: Scott Schwartz actor is my Scott page Schwartz on
0: actor. Okay, we'll put the links to all of that in the show notes for you guys because I had to hunt a little bit to find it, but I did. And you want to follow him because you'll be inspired and we all need to be inspired. So thank you for being on the show.
1: You're welcome. Stay well, everybody.
0: So remember, everybody, keep your face to the sun. So the shadows fall behind you because you're a rock star. You're here on purpose with a purpose. So go out there and let your light shine and go be informed and be kind as Scott just shared with us. Until the next episode of Someone Gets Me, be well. Thank you for listening. I trust you gained some valuable inspiration and information. Please join me and other visionaries in the Someone Gets Me Facebook group. Or for more information on my services and additional episodes, visit someonegetsme.com. Again, thanks for listening.